Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 417. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing The Suicide Squad. We'll also be going over some of the watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters and on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be extremely helpful. I think we can just dive straight in to our review. We're talking about the Suicide Squad. I have a synopsis here. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reef Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at a remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. This is written and directed by James Gunn. Now, Kevin is the resident hater of everything superhero. We'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of the Suicide Squad? Uh, for the most part, that, this wasn't too bad. The only thing that, or the, I guess I should say the main thing that doesn't work for me here is that like, I have no knowledge of any of these people. So they're, they're like nothing to me. Mm, okay. I'm just, I'm taking it at face value. You know what I mean? You tell me this guy's name is Bloodsport, and I'm just like, okay, he's Bloodsport. This is what he does, I guess. But I'm not like invested in any of these characters. They're just, you could tell me anything about them. You could tell me that they have a rich history, and I'd, be, I'd just have to take your word for it. Or you could say that Gunn just made these guys up like two weeks ago, and I'd be like, oh, okay, either or. So I'm just not invested in any of these people. And uh, like the action is okay. A lot of the stuff is okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, it has its moments that are pretty funny. And the violence is uh, it's up there. Indeed. And it's pretty silly. So, you know, it's still it's completely bloated. I thought that the, the rare attempts of like trying to make it like an, an emotional connection with some of these characters just did not work for me at all. Just felt at odds at what the majority of this movie is, which is dumb violence. They want to veered off to those like, oh, we're going to try and be emotional right now and sentimental. And it's like, this is not working at all, guys. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on pretty much all your points. I I had a lot of fun with the Suicide Squad. I really disliked the last Suicide Squad movie. That was the David Ayer one. You have some carryover um, on this one, so it's it's kind of a pseudo sequel. Uh, obviously, you have Margot Robbie coming back as Harley Quinn, and this one I think it is just I think that this one is exactly what a Suicide Squad movie should be. It's over the top, it's ridiculous. I mean, the whole concept of the Suicide Squad is that these are, like, expendable criminals. And if you read the comic books, it, that's sort of how it is. It's like a revolving cast of characters because they're always getting killed because the missions are just so monumentally difficult. Uh, you have all kinds of characters in the Suicide Squad just dying. It's not like the X-Men where you have, like, or Justice League where you have like a, a core group of people and they're just, they're in it from, you know, the whole, the whole time. Yeah. I don't think it's designed for you to get particularly attached to any characters or learn their rich backstory. Now, uh, a lot of these characters, or at least some of them do have rich backstories. Obviously Harley Quinn 
being one of them. Bloodsport, maybe to a to a lesser extent. But I don't. Yeah, I don't think that. The, I think that if they tried to expand on some of these characters and give them a deeper backstory, I don't. I think it would have bloated the movie more and would have made things even more difficult as far as like managing the tone and stuff. So I think that just hitting the ground running like what they did worked fine for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, I mean, that's another thing that I should say is I don't know if I necessarily want more information from right. these people. This, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just not interested in polka dot man. <laughs> polka dot or, man. I don't, you know, I don't know if if that was like if that's a real like an actual comic book character if that was made for this movie. No, he he is. I I I did some research. Yeah. He is. He's like he's a minor Batman villain. I I love it. I think it's I think that's so funny. And I, I like that um I like that King Shark is in this and voiced, I believe, by Sylvester Stallone, if I'm not mistaken. Are you serious? I think so. I'm pretty sure that was Sylvester Stallone's voice as King Shark. Wonderful. The, I, I had a lot of fun with this. I expected it to be fun. This is James Gunn. You know, this if you're not familiar with James Gunn's work he's done guardians of the galaxy but he also worked with trauma in the past and did like a sliver was it slither not sliver slither so he's definitely so this is the type of movie that's in his wheelhouse where he's working he knows how to work with an ensemble cast but he also knows how to work with over-the-top gratuitous violence and gore and this movie there there's so many people who explode in this movie i mean people just faces getting blown off heads getting blown off people getting ripped apart i mean it's so over the top and i just i had a lot of fun with it i really i enjoyed myself quite a bit with this movie yeah i it's it's tough on my end because like okay i had uh a reasonable amount of, of fun enough that I would, I didn't hate my life while I was watching it. Uh, but not enough that I'm like, wow, I want more suicide squad. I, I like, I had my fill of suicide squad and these characters, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't really need any more. This was enough, but also there's not a whole lot for me to talk about really. You know what I mean? Like there's, like some of the violence is, you know, it's over the top. It's gratuitous. There's some laughs in there. Uh, it's not a particularly, you know, uh, beautiful movie in terms of visuals. Like third, whatever. I think for, I mean, at least there's sunshine for which is for nice. a for a comic book movie. I think that it it does a decent job of bringing some some style and some flair to it. I mean. Like, I think that Gunn is a really good... I think Gunn's a really good director. I think he's a really good filmmaker, and I think that he has a really good eye for the lens. And a lot of the... There, there, there's, like, artistic shots in this that, like, just totally didn't have to happen. Like, one one in particular is, like, the, the fight scene between... Was it? Flag and Peacemaker, when his helmet is on the ground, 
And rather than showing the fight, we see the fight through the helmet and the camera's kind of just swiveling around the helmet. Like there's just little touches there that he totally didn't have to do it that way. But I think that it added to the, just the cool factor, the style of this movie. And then the, there's a really big uh, action sequence with uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, where she just kills like a whole freaking platoon of soldiers. And that I think that that scene was really cool too. I did like that because I liked the the infusion of color. Yeah, that they yeah. added to it, which was nice. I I will give it that. As, and I also it, I, like I thought that that was really awesome with the flowers and then the uh, polka dot man when he unleashed the polka dots on people. I think that that looked really cool. Polka dots unleashing the polka dots. I just <laughs> I do want to know like what is. What's up with Gun and Birds? Why does he not like birds? I don't know. A lot of birds getting killed for no reason. Seems odd. I don't know. Maybe maybe a bird did something to him as a youth. I hope so. I hope birds keep doing stuff to him. I hope birds fuck up his life. Man, jeez. We got against James Gunn. Nothing. I just don't, you know, if he's got a problem with birds, I want birds to have a problem ah, with him. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, tit for tat situation. Got it. Fucking right. Mm, mm-hmm, you're right mm-hmm. you're asking for it i hope the birds bring it that's what i want i think that this is a a movie that is clearly driven by the creative vision of the the director of james gunn and i think that it should be noted like it seems pretty clear that that um warner brothers was like hey just do whatever you want bro like you have control over this because there's just no way can you imagine Marvel like signing off on like one of these like a like Taika Waititi to for like the next Thor movie and just being like hey, do whatever you want, bro. Make it rated R. Who cares? Just bring bring your own style, bring your own flavor to it. So I think that it's cool that they seemed to just allow him to have creative control over the over the story, over the narrative, and what happens in this. Taika Waititi was in this movie, by the way, as Ratcatcher. Yeah. Which I guess right. is a good segue to talk about the absolutely ridiculous cast in this. I mean... A lot of people. A, a ton of people. Some people in it for, like, one scene. Like, the, the Waititi... He's in the opening credits, which is funny, but he's literally in, like, two scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, kind of wild. But, I mean, it's like... A who's who i mean holy crap so many people in this and they all you know they're all fine they're having fun with it clearly a lot of uh a lot of james gunn you know regulars you got michael rooker in here as savant nathan fillion his brother sean gunn who was also a weasel he was calendar man but he was also a weasel, weasel. i liked i liked the weasel character i think the the one that i enjoyed the most was Peacemaker. I'm, I always enjoyed John Cena. <laughs> Me too. And, and I like the idea of this character where he's like kind of this knockoff Captain America type, but he's so into his supposed purpose that he's actually like really fucking vile. Of like, you know, <laughs> when he makes that point of like, I love freedom or I love peace so much, I will murder everyone to yeah. have it. Every, every <laughs> man, woman, and child to get it. Yeah, he's like, I don't care how many I have to kill. 
Which is just, I like that idea. Yeah, I think it's important to remember, like, this dude was in prison, so he he was clearly not a good person. And then, like, that one scene when they go to the village to to uh, to rescue Flag, and he's just ripping through those people, like, just the way that he stabs that guy who's asleep, you're just like, oh, yeah. man, this guy's pretty messed up. Confirmed that I, Sylvester Stallone is the voice of King Shark, by the way. Yeah, that is... Which is another thing where I'm just like, okay, I guess. Can't prove you wrong. It also seems unnecessary, but... <laughs> like, it seems like you could have got anyone to say bird. Uh, but Sylvester Stallone is in... Uh, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, too. And he is in this very, very minor role in those movies. I don't know if they're going to expand on his role later, but yeah kind of interesting he must he must he and gun must be just like buddies or something must be because he seems to always do these like really little like almost cameo things yeah i don't really have much else to say about it i i enjoyed it it is this is available on hbo max so if you have hbo max you can watch it for free or it's included with your subscription it's also playing in theaters right now as well uh i think that this is one that you could totally watch at home and have just as much fun with i don't think that it's like a must-see theater experience or anything like that you know and i think that's something that it, it helps it helps for me at least you know where where i get to watch like a blockbuster at home without paying money which is nice considering sure, the yeah. circumstances the current the current state of affairs yeah because i think if i saw this in a theater i would be like oh man because you know i have money i have time uh you know travel time attached to it that i'd be like damn i don't know this didn't really work for me but the fact that i was able to do this from the comfort of my home with smoke breaks you know perfect there you go all right let's go ahead and give suicide squad a score i'm sitting at a Seven and a half on this one. Woo! Give it like a five and a half, which is actually like pretty good. All okay. things considered. So but just, again, just above just, average for you. Just above average. And I mean, that's pretty damn good for uh, a slew of characters that I know nothing about. I don't care to know anything else about them. And I just don't care about them. That's the other thing that kind of hurts it is that like, the stakes for me are nothing because I'm just like, I don't know who these people are. Well, I'm not invested in them. So if they die, I like, yeah. I, and the way you started off with everyone dying, I'm like, oh, okay, these people are just like, it's the expendables. But they're actually like, expendable. They're all, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. So you essentially at the beginning, you make it very clear, like, hey, any one of these people could die at any moment. So I'm just like, all right. Yeah. I mean, that's by design. I think that like, Margot Robbie's character is really the only one that I don't think anybody yeah. wants to see die. And I think that's the unfortunate thing, like in terms of like formula of superhero movies that I know, like the big name actor slash character, like they're probably not going to die. Well, unless yeah, I we're mean, getting towards the end of, you know, if we're, unless we're like four movies deep into it yeah. then it's like oh, okay there could be a chance now unless they're ready to to not play that character anymore yeah exactly their their three picture deal is up yeah uh, well i'm glad uh that 
Margot Robbie is still doing Harley Quinn. I think she she does a really good job as that character, and I I definitely want to see more of her. I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of her movie, but at the same time, I thought that it was it was decent. So yeah, I would like to see more Harley Quinn. The funny thing to me was is like right off the bat, I'm thinking, well, Pokemon, Polka Dot Man, he's getting it. Like, immediately he's probably going to get it like as they're walking through the that's what i thought too jungle. and then like i was started thinking like oh they're not going to kill polka dot man that's great i'm kind of like i'm coming around to this guy he had some stuff going on and he had some issues he did polka dot yeah. man felt sure felt does. really bad for him all right uh let's move on and talk about some we've been watching I believe that it is my turn this week yeah. Uh, I'll start things off with uh, some some big ones. I saw the Green Knight. This is the David Lowry one. Big, lots of hype around this one. A twenty four, putting this out. Big uh, fantasy epic about uh, Sir Sir Gawain, one of the uh, Knights of the Round Table, and his adventure to go fight the Green Knight, kill him. Well, actually, he's going off to have the Green Knight kill him, basically. Okay. Uh, so, visually, probably one of the most stunning movies of the year. I mean, it's just, man, oh, beautiful. This movie is really, really a stunner. Uh, the Also, the music, the score is incredible, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely hit all the notes for me as far as like style and visuals. Cinematography is incredible. Lots of, lots of really long, like lingering static shots. Um, lots of slow pans, and I think that that adds to the sort of inaccessibility of this movie. I think a lot of people are going to have problems with this movie because there's literally there's no action or anything like that. It's not like game of thrones or something it's it's a very deliberately paced segmented adventure story where each each thing seems a little bit disjointed from the last and you kind of have to just put the pieces together and it's it's not like a, a very coherent narrative the sort of the the meaning behind it is very evident where this is all about a man finding honor and proving himself to be an honorable person and becoming a better person. But I mean, I guess for me, the fact that it's based on this like centuries old poem, uh, I, I was finding a lot of like logic problems because it stays pretty close to the story. Like the original one, I, I went back and looked into it after seeing the movie it, it seems to stay very close to the source material and as such there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the movie and at the end of the day like i i get what it's going for i get the story but i just didn't find it that interesting like and it's like over two hours long and you're just like you feel that length like it's it's a very kind of plotting movie I understand that a lot of people are going to really love this. And I think that they're probably going to love it based on mostly the visuals and score because everything else is, I think just pretty average, but I mean, there's some just 
kind of jaw dropping moments. So I'll give it, I'll give it that. Um, but I don't know. I can't really recommend it. I think you would probably despise this movie. Probably. Cause I know you're not a huge Lowry fan to begin with. No. And it sounds like a lot of the issues that I have with his movies it sounds like a lot of it is here. Yeah, there's like a really, there's some really frustrating moments. I think that it starts, it opens with a really interesting shot where it's just this static shot of this house and just these like peasant people just going about their day. And that's how the movie opens. And it stays on that for like, I don't know, like three minutes. And you're just like, wow, that is kind of a bold move to open your movie with this shot where like almost nothing is happening and then there's another scene where um dev patel's character is he's tied up and he's in the woods and it does this like 360 thing but the camera moves so slow and i mean it is like another i would say at least three minutes where the movie does a full-on 720 so it spins around twice during this time and you and it moves so slow and you're just like okay i i get it i get it let's go i mean i understand that it was an artistic choice and everything and it was representing something but like come on it was was a little bit david i have stuff to do it was just a little bit too much so yeah i mean visually incredible but Narratively speaking, I just was not very invested in in uh, Sir Gawain's story. I didn't like him. I thought he was kind of a douchebag from the beginning, and I didn't really care to see his hero's journey. So I think that was yeah. maybe the problem. But Eric, this guy becomes the hero or not. Yeah. Well, I have a period piece as well, and that's Mona Fassfold's The World to Come, which is currently available on Hulu. Streaming on Hulu. Uh, She made her debut with The Sleepwalker back in 2014. She had Christopher Abbott, Brady Corbett. And I remember that movie, like, doing particularly well. I think it's Sundance, I think is where it premiered. So this period piece, you got Christopher Abbott back. Got Catherine Waterston, Vanessa Kirby, Casey Affleck in there. Uh, So this is... 1856, and they're farmers, right? And uh, the women, it's a lesbian period drama. So it's just them, you know, trying to hide their love for each other. Which, A, the cinematography, the location. I mean, I mean, this is a, a pastoral classic in terms of visuals. It's just incredible. It's so beautiful. Music's great. All those, all those things, the technical aspects of this movie, phenomenal. Just great stuff. Uh, but the, the story itself is just, it's very slow. And it's somewhat one note. I mean, there's a little variations of it here and there. But this is a movie that also suffers from uh, most movies in which people just don't talk to each other. Just, or, you know, just pauses someone says something and you know know, like a minute later someone will respond to that thing i guess they're just people in movies for some reason seem to take a long time to process information 
and we have to see it in real time for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. That's a thing nowadays. But I'm getting real tired of it. Which is interesting because now these movies are no way uh, similar. But I talked about California Split movies from the 70s where it's kind of exhausting because the characters are always on. Mm -hmm. They're always doing bits and stuff like that. Which can be a little bit much. But at least those people like interact with each other like normal human beings. And actually have like interesting dialogue. Even if it can be a bit exhausting at times. Where this is just like people just not talking to each other. And it's just, oh, it's a bit annoying. So it's like a, it's like a half and half, half and half movie. Got it. Okay. Uh, and that is The World to Come, which is available on Hulu. So check it out on there. Uh, saw Jungle Cruise. Yes. Uh, this is the, this is on Disney Plus. It's in theaters as well. It's the one with Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt. Uh, I hated this movie. Absolutely hated, oh, hated it. No. I couldn't, I, I could not, I'm so glad that we watched this at home and didn't go to the theater because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't finish it. I walked away. I walked away oh. from this movie because I just could not stand what I was watching. And I had my wife just fill me in on what happened at the end. I would like to, what did you, when you walked away from Jungle Cruise, what did you get into instead? Like, what were you? What was the, the activity? I might have. You're like, you know what? I think I went. To, I think I went and just took a nap. I think I just was like, all right, I'm done. I'm just taking a nap. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure that I just walked away and and took a nap afterwards. Okay. It's so bad. I'm sorry. It's just it was not for me. I mean, it's clearly designed to be more family slash kid friendly, sort of. Uh, but it felt just like a Pirates of the Caribbean clone to me. Like it felt like they were looking at Pirates of the Caribbean and they're like, "Oh yeah, we really had a hit with that one." So let's come up with maybe you know another. You know, this is based on a Disney ride, and I think it starts off fine. Like it starts off pretty good. I mean, I liked the like the style of it, like the visual style. But then, like after maybe 20 minutes, you start to realize like the editing is atrocious in this movie. Like, I don't know what's going on with the editing in this movie. It is so bad. And then like after they actually start their adventure, which by the way, takes a really long time for them to get going, get going down the river. It like turns into just yeah, parts of the Caribbean where you have these like, ghost people who are like made up of like snakes and jungle creatures and they're fighting them. And it's just, uh, and then you find there's like certain things you find out about, uh, Dwayne Johnson's character. Like he, he's got some, maybe, maybe some magic going on with him. And it's just like, I was just so checked out by that point. I just couldn't continue with it. Everybody, everybody's good. I mean, like, the Rock, Emily Blunt, it's the, they're all fine in this, and it has nothing to do with them or their performances or even their characters. I liked Emily Blunt's character a lot in this, but I just was so disconnected from like the actual adventure portion of it. I think that maybe I kind of expected it to be something that it wasn't, and which is which kind of sucks because, like I said, it it starts off as feeling like. I don't know how I would describe it. Maybe like 
just like a 90s adventure movie. Like I would maybe compare it to The Mummy, like the first Brendan Fraser and The Mummy. Yeah. Where, yeah. So I was like kind of into it. But then like it just devolved into your typical Disney mm-hmm. live action Disney stuff where you have like animals that are like really super smart and they're all like everything is CG, CG everything. And yeah, so I just was not into Jungle Cruise. I think like for kids... Oh, I think older kids, because it is, like believe, PG-13, but, yeah, not for me. Sorry. Yeah, I'm going to guess that you did take a nap, because your review says, more like Jungle Snooze. Yeah. Am I right? So, I think you took a nap. Was that nap restorative? Uh, I believe so, yes. I believe that I woke up feeling refreshed. I started this thing where, like, now, if I take a nap, I set an alarm, because mm-hmm. if I don't, I'll I'll sleep too long and then wake up and feel all like groggy and messed up. Yeah, you got you got to go with the you got to go with a, a time limit. Yeah, because naps are dangerous in that way. They can go either way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you wake up feeling fucking terrible. Yeah, exactly. Um, I watched Baghdad Cafe from 1987, also available on Hulu, also available on Tubi. I should tell my mom about that. <laughs> no, this is a classic. This is a classic. And I've been wanting to watch this thing for a long time. Right. And one of the interesting things that I found out about this is the director, Percy Adlon, his son is married to Pamela Adlon. So mm. this is Pamela Adlon's father-in-law, essentially, which I did not know. Did not know that. So this is... I talk about a movie that just doesn't really seem to be made anymore in that there's really not a whole, whole lot going on narrative wise. It's kind of just this like kind of comedy that's very slow moving, but yet it's only 95 minutes long. Uh, it takes place out in the Mojave desert at this like really, really remote, like, uh, it's like a truck stop slash cafe slash motel, right? And they get like truckers here and there, and you have like a little cast of characters that kind of live there. They're, they're like family, and CCH Pounder uh, runs the place with her kids and her husband. Her husband leaves early on in the movie, and there's the movie starts out with a a, a couple, a Bavarian couple. It's, I guess, sightseeing in California. They get in an argument, and the wife leaves, and she ends up at Baghdad Cafe, and they kind of just, like, slowly become friends over the course of, like, a week or so, where at first CCH Pounder just, like, doesn't want her there, and she can't quite figure out, like, what the fuck she's doing and, like, why she's interested in, like, helping and that kind of thing. And then they kind of, like, you know, grow to be friends, and then in a, you know, whatever reason, like, this only works in this movie, is Marianne Sagebrecht, who plays the Bavarian woman, gets into magic. So she just, like, starts practicing magic, and starts doing magic at the cafe, and the cafe becomes, like, a big hit. All these truckers are always stopping, and they're putting on shows, and they're doing magic shows, and stuff, and it's just, like, it's delightful. It's just a nice time. And that, like that's they just become friends. Like that's the narrative. They slowly become friends. And it's wonderful. 
Yeah, I've, this is this has been on my list forever. I just, I, for whatever reason, I have not seen this. But oh my god, and the the visuals in this thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm you pretty. Got... Sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure I would. I would be really into this movie. The, I think the beginning of this, maybe like the first five minutes, there's like 18 different camera angles and like 80 cuts, and it's just it's it's experimental in, in some ways. And then, you know, they do like yellow tint and all sorts of stuff. It's just, it's something else. Yeah. I'll definitely have to make a point to watch this at some point. That's Baghdad cafe. Tubi, Get it. Yeah. Check it out on Tubi. There you go. I saw F nine. I don't have much to say about this directed by Justin Lin. It's the ninth entry in the fast and furious movie series. And, uh, I don't know, man. I think I'm just kind of I'm waning, waning on this on this series. Now, my background with Fast and the Furious has been a little tumultuous, to say the least. I absolutely hated the first one when it came out. Saw it in the theater. Remember, I remember our friends were all into it, and I think that's something that didn't help. Yeah, and I just couldn't stand it. I didn't see the second one when it came out because I hated the first one so much and I didn't see the third one either. And then I think at some point, maybe Brian had the, the, the second one on. So I did end up seeing it and I, I hated that even more. Uh, and then like several years go by many years go by and I decided to like revisit the series and I starting with five and I have seen all of them. But starting with five, I sort of turned around on this series and I really enjoyed five, six, and seven. Like I had a really great time with those, those three. Mm -hmm. And then starting with eight, I was just like, uh, I don't know, like the whole, the plane sequence and stuff. Like there was some fun to be had with it, but I was just like not too into it. And then this one, uh, I was just almost. I was just so done with it by the time it was over. This is 145 minutes long. Guys. Guys. A Fast and Furious movie does not need to be two and a half hours long. Okay? No. You keep that 86 minutes. You keep it tight. Okay? 86 minutes on a Fast and Furious movie is plenty of time to give us nonstop adrenaline-fueled action. Because that's what we sign up for when we go see a Fast and Furious movie. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't want to see um, Vin Diesel and John Cena working out their family issues. Like I don't want to see it. That this is not; those two actors are not the actors to handle that type of content. So, yeah, there were some fun. There were some fun moments of this. The the scene when. Uh, so at one point, Ludacris and Tyrese go to space and yes. uh-huh. yes, <laughs> that, that, that scene is so much fun. Uh, I had a black, basically everything that Tyrese and Ludacris do in this, in this series is incredible. I, I love all of their scenes. And one of the, you know, like every fast and furious movie, there has to be some kind of like hook. There has to be some, some thing that makes that sets it apart from the other ones. And in this one, they use like super magnets. So they use these really strong electromagnets in the car chases. So as they're driving, they're turning on and off these like giant 
electromagnets that are like sucking things towards the cars, pushing them away. And it's really fun. Like it's, that's really cool. It's, I don't think would work in real life. Like the physics just aren't really there for, for, I mean, this movie is so beyond logical at this point. It's a complete fantasy, but it was still some really fun sequences. Nonetheless, uh, but the scenes that I liked, folding that into a 145-minute runtime, you have maybe 60 minutes of me having fun, and then the rest is just like, I want this to be over so bad. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe I would recommend watching it at home, where you can just fast-forward through all the <laughs> all the garbage. That's all I got. Um, okay. The only other one that I will mention is Woodstock 99. So this is a uh, documentary that is on HBO max and it's, yeah, it's just a doc. It's just a music doc about Woodstock 99 and what a shit show Woodstock 99 was. And you know, the funny thing is I remember when this happened, I watched it live because MTV did like really extensive coverage of Woodstock 99. I think they, they had some kind of deal with the promoters and stuff where it was just like, I don't know if you remember or if you were watching MTV back when this happened, but like it was like all day, every day, just live Woodstock coverage. And so, you know, when everything went to shit and everybody started rioting and breaking everything down and burning everything to the ground, like that we could see that happening in real time. And, you know, what, what I knew about the whole event was, you know, what MTV reported and, and all of that. But there was, it was so much worse than what I imagined. The amount of horrific, like, atrocities that happened to people at this event, um, you know, specifically to a lot of the women who were there, uh, was just horrendous and it there there it's not a surprise that there's never been a woodstock you know since this because it was an absolute blunder which is funny because like you compare this one to woodstock 94 and it was like a completely different it was like a completely different thing you know like just i don't know what these idiots were thinking but um yeah at any rate this is a pretty standard talking head doc about the event it looks pretty cheap, actually. I, it looks more like a TV show, which I think that it kind of is because it's called Music Box. It's like Music Box, colon, Woodstock 99, colon, Peace, Love, and Rage. So I think that that might be like a documentary series that's, that's happening. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But it, So it does have like a TV quality to it. However, it's still... It's still fine. Like the information is still there, and there's a, an absolute ton of uh, like archival footage, footage from the event, tons, tons of footage that like I've never seen before. Because you know, one of the big things with this is that like all the women were just topless all the time. So I think it was like hard for MTV to really capture the event because of all of the nudity that was happening. But. um yeah, it's a, I don't know. Light recommend, I guess, if you're into rock docs. You did get to see like Rage Against the Machine perform and stuff, so that was cool. 
but then you get to see Kid Rock perform, which was not cool. Mm, not cool at all. Which was not cool in Limp Bizkit. Okay, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Just one that I'm aware of, and that's Free Guy. This is the the Ryan Reynolds action comedy where he's like a video game character and he becomes self-aware and lots of action and comedy ensues. Oh, man. This was you know one of the last like 20th Century Fox movies before Disney bought them up and Disney is releasing this in theaters. Apparently it's going to have a 45 day theatrical window. So 45 days after it releases in theaters, it's going to be available on Disney plus. Uh, that's really it for theaters. Wow. Yeah. We're, uh, we're still, we're still kind of struggling with theaters. We sure are. I did notice that like, there's a lot of kind of repertory, screenings and stuff like that like my local theater is playing some interesting older movies so oh uh, yeah yeah you know if you if you have that itch check your listings even if nothing nothing new and big is coming out because there might be something something going on there on vod this week we have i without a face and that is coming out on august 10th tagline for this is alt shift homicide <laughs> alt shift homicide is that actually a key combination i'm not that i'm aware of but i don't know maybe it's like a special custom keyboard or something that has the homicide button on it phenomenal <laughs> might be like a special type of macro or something that they have set up could be only found on acers mm-hmm well, naturally. On August 12th, we have Homeroom. That's going to be a documentary on Hulu. On August 13th, Friday, we have The Meaning of Hitler. We got Naked Singularity. That's the one with John Boyega as a public defender. And we have Beckett, and that's going to be on Netflix. That's with uh, John David Washington. It's, a, it's like an action thriller. We have The East. Uh, Swan Song, Buckley's Chance. That's uh, like a family film from the looks of it. We have Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time, coming out on Amazon Prime. All right. <laughs> uh, come on, guys. And, and the movie's two hours and 34 minutes long as well. Nice. And we have Coda, that's going to be on Apple TV+. And that's about it for VOD. Blu-ray this week. We got One Crazy Summer coming out, 1986. John Cusack. Oh, eh. Is that the one where he plays hoops? See hoops? I think so. Yes. Yeah. What a fucking movie. Movie's so fucking good. Yeah, it is One Crazy Summer him we have a place in the sun from 1951 uh, batman the long halloween part two it's one of those dc animated movies was not aware of the long halloween part one but i might have to look into it oh. they're usually pretty good uh we have nashville from 1975 this looks like some kind of <laughs> paramount is maybe putting out some kind of new line of blu-rays Looks like some kind of like signature series or some other nonsense we have Havoc from 2005, Backstreet from 1961, star starring Susan Hayward and John Gavin, mm -hmm. uh, The Treasure of Jamaica Reef from 1980.
1974. That looks like it could be a vinegar syndrome. Nope, it's a Dark Force Entertainment. Oh man, Dark Force. Yeah. Not not really familiar with that label, but hey. Looks like they're putting out something interesting there. Angel of Death from 1987. Uh, let's see what else we have. Hmm. Hmm. Friday the 13th, eight movie collection. Why not? Let's do it again. Yeah. Run it back. If I remember correctly, I used to have a giant Friday the 13th box set. It honestly feels like they do this every year. Or like every two years, at least. I mean, this one looks cool. It comes in a red Blu-ray case, which I like. But it doesn't contain Freddy vs. Jason. Let's see. It contains parts one, two, three, the final chapter of five, six, seven, and eight. So it doesn't contain. So it goes up to Manhattan. Jason takes Manhattan, but it does not contain Jason Goes to Hell or Freddy versus Jason or the new reboot that they did a while back or Jason X. So it's not even like, come on. If you're going to do. Like, I get it that there's, like, different studios involved and stuff, but I would never buy a box set if it wasn't complete, you know? Yeah. Just wouldn't happen. Uh, Moving on, we have My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Uh, Let's see. That's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? We got one Criterion, and that's Afterlife 1998. Rita getting a 2K restoration. A new 2K restoration. Hmm. Okay. Some new audio, audio commentary, new interviews, all that stuff. Have you, you see, have you seen this one? Uh, I, don't know, I have I want, not. I want to say yes, but I don't know, honestly. All right. Cool. No, I have not. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We would appreciate that very much. For Kevin Reichstrahl, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.